2: Football Social Daily Your daily Premier League podcast Hello and welcome to the dugout from Football Social Daily Our regular Saturday show to get you ready for a weekend of Premier League action As always... Two pros on today's podcast alongside me, hello I'm June Salverson, who are going to talk us through the big news on the back pages of the papers and the big games kicking off in the top flight this weekend. And it's ex-Southampton and Leicester City midfielder Dean Hammond on today's podcast alongside former Everton hero Trevor Stevens. And with Everton and Leicester City both having tricky starts to this season... It will be interesting to hear how they think their former teams are going to get on against Chelsea and Brentford, respectively. We've also picked a few other games to chat about, including the high-pressure game between Aston Villa and West Ham. Both Stephen Gerrard and David Moyes are looking for their first wins of the season. And we'll talk about misfiring Liverpool as well. Plus, I want to get the gents' views on what it's really like in the dressing room for professional players during the transfer silly season so let's do this nice to see you dean take a seat in the dugout how's it going
0: i'm very well jim very well thank you mate good to be
1: back on the show
2: and good to have you back and uh, trevor steven how's it going for you
1: i'm uh, fine jim thanks very much looking forward okay. to this as usual
2: good stuff right we're gonna get stuck into the weekend's action very shortly i've picked a few premier league games to highlight in a little bit but first I want to talk about the transfer window because we're in the middle of what has been a slightly crazy transfer window, loads of money being spelt by clubs up and down the league. And I'm curious to hear how it feels as kind of a player in the silly season of transfers as well. Fans love it. They love the soap opera, but I'm never convinced that players necessarily feel exactly the same way. So what is it like? When you're at a club and you know there's another club that's potentially interested in you, and I'm thinking particularly of the Wesley Fofana situation at the moment at Leicester City, where you've got Chelsea, who are desperate to land in, making big bids, but Leicester are kind of batting that interest away at the moment. Is it difficult in that scenario, Dean, to stay focused on your game and on the club you are currently with, without having your attention pulled away by the big boys?
0: Well, in all honesty, Jim, yes. Um, you know, from personal experience, it, it does affect you, especially if it's a club that you're very interested in, in joining. Um, if you go to Wesley for Farnham, he's going to move from a, a good club at Leicester to one of the biggest clubs in, in, in the country. Um, I'm sure he'll involve, you know, financially life-changing money, which is always a big pull, the opportunity to play in the, the Champions League. Um, you've got the World Cup coming up. Can you get in the, in the French squad for that as well? So it does It does affect you. Um, I don't think intentionally. I don't think you go in thinking, right, I'm going to be a bad egg. I'm going to cause problems. I'm not going to train as hard because you want to be prepared if you do get that opportunity to to move to a new club. club you want to be fit. Your condition needs to be right. Mentally, you need to be right as well. So more frustration, I think. Um, but players don't from my experience you don't really get that involved it's down to the agent it's down to the football club the manager and the, and the player generally have a bit of communication but don't always know the full picture of what actually is going on um but it it, it can be difficult um and obviously you've got the the fun and games that you have with the other players and and, and the banter that goes round um but when again you go back to wesley for fun and when you're being left out of the team when you're training with the 23s, I believe he's actually missed training as well and and not turned up, then it becomes a bit of a problem. So you do need to stay professional as as a player because that's what you're employed to do. Whether you want the move or not, you need to stay professional, um, but I think it can affect you. And and rightly so, as you see, on on many occasions, the manager generally takes the player out of the team and out of the squad because he knows he won't be in the best Mm. mental state to perform for the football club.
2: Would you agree with that, Trevor? I mean, there's two slightly different scenarios there, but either way, it impacts a player's performance on the pitch. There's the kind of bad egg, inverted commas, scenario where a player's trying to force a move and he's taking himself out of training and he's refusing to play games, which we saw with Issa Diop when he wanted to leave West Ham for Fulham. He actually refused to appear for West Ham towards the end of his tenure there. But there's also the, the mental distraction where a player isn't quite able to focus on the job in hand because they've been distracted.
1: If you look at the the transfer window uh, as it is uh, now and has been recently, it's probably more disruptive uh, than ever. Um, And I think money has got a lot to do with that. And I think the finances of clubs and the way things are done now, it's so so expensive to run a football club. Um, The budgets are huge. Uh, the, The transfer window has gone back to overlapping the start of the season and early season results can start to play on someone's mind. For Farnar, for instance, we'll be looking at the, the Leicester team at the moment and thinking maybe you know that you know that race has been run, you know, because Leicester are really vulnerable at this moment in time. Mm. And he's seeing a bigger picture, the the monies that would come with that. Because I can't imagine Farnar's on a huge, huge salary at Leicester. Uh, he's going to make. Um, you know the kind of monies that many others are, are, are earning in the game with an opportunity like this. So, so I think it's affected the behavior of the players as well because of the, the money situation. And it seems like anything's game in the transfer window. It's, it's down to the individual how they want to behave in it. Some do it in this, you know, in a more reserved way. Others are oh, uh, get. Um, Active or inactive like Fofana's done and the same thing with Anthony Gordon I think across in uh, uh, at Everton the same kind of scenario pictures building and it's getting messy and messier by the day uh, and, and of course the knock-on effect for a football club selling a player is that they have to replace mm. uh, so it can get quite a brutal atmosphere uh, so I, th- I think it's um, it's a tough time I think if you ask any Premier League manager now they just want to get this transfer window over with and deal with the players that they've got and you've got to feel a bit of sympathy as well for the managers because they've planned their pre-season generally on on what they envisage is going to be their squad and then these ridiculous um, sizable humongous offers come in for players who, who, are, who are barely done very much in their careers and and there's a there's a gamble there to, to, to play and um, you know, who's, who's to know if is going to go to the levels mm. that they, everyone thinks he can? Who's to know that Anthony Gordon is going to go to the levels that uh, Chelsea are kind of are anticipating? It's a mess, man. It's a it's a mess. <laughs> but, you know, putting all of that aside, I wish I was playing now, though. You know, <laughs> you know, you know get, just give me a few weeks at it, you know, that's all. I'd settle for that. But, yeah, it is a turbulent, disruptive period of the year.
2: Are you an advocate for the transfer window closing before the season starts, Trevor, in that case. I guess there's there's twofold here. One, a manager knows exactly what he's got to deal with before a season starts, which seems logical. And two, you kind of mentioned the distraction the window can have. I guess the players coming in, players coming out can be a distraction. But equally, it's added pressure on a player because they know if for those first four games of the season, they're not performing, then a manager, providing they've got the budget, can go out and find an alternative.
1: Uh, yeah, it works. You know, from every angle um, that you look at it, and someone's going to get an advantage. Someone's going to get a disadvantage. And, and why it's gone back to this, um, you know, overlapping the start of of the uh, Premier League campaign is because the European clubs up, you know, keep theirs open until the end of August, mm. uh, and then they became, you know, hunters. Uh, all the European clubs for for um, for. Premier League based players so that created an air of vulnerability uh, and I think that's really you know one of the big issues and and the clubs in the Premier League want to have the same set of rules as the the big players do in in Europe because they're all going to be playing for the European trophies on an international level um, uh, you know from the Champions League through to the the variety of European trophies that there are now, and they want to compete, so I think they all saw it as an advantage that um, that European clubs were getting, and then therefore voted it back. So I think it's just uh, an uncomfortable one that that mm. we're going to have to live with, uh, and and it is great viewing, you know, for the for the neutral. It's interesting. Um, it fills your know, podcasts for instance Jim, <laughs> and feels newspapers, everything everything social media wise is um focused on this. Of course when it's done and dusted, we all forget about it and let's move on. Mm. But I, I'm I'm for uh for the current setup, albeit it's a bit of a bumpy ride. Going back to what it's like as
2: a player, Dean, we've talked about what it's like being a player who wants a move. What about a player who's remaining at a club but is seeing new faces come in every week because for the previous 12 months you've had kind of a fixed unit you've bonded with your teammates and then you've got new figures coming into the dressing room and potentially disrupting that can it be hard to make that group of individuals gel in those early days or is there real effort put on creating a team bonded environment
0: i think like you've just touched on there with trevor in terms of the transfer window that's what pre-season used to be all about um, pre-season tours, you, you try and get the players in before that to be able to have that opportunity to to bond away from um, normal life. Um, so you spend every minute um, with each other. I think it can be exciting. I think you've a football club that are looking to invest and grow um, and ambitious, and they're bringing players in and better players that are going to improve you as a team um, is always a good thing, in my opinion. Um, I always enjoyed that in terms of the competition from from players. I think it helped improve me as a player, um, helped me measure, it, measure myself as, as a player. Um, so, I think it's important, you know, managers and clubs do a lot of due diligence now. They know the personalities that are coming into the football clubs. You know the personalities that are in the football clubs. I think it's important for the senior players to take an active role and, and welcome um, players come in. I think it's even important away from the field, you know, when I've moved football clubs, there's been um, wives of, of players that have helped my wife and family settle in, which is, is important to, for for a player to settle in and just concentrate on it and his football. If you have players coming from uh, different nationalities, different countries, if you have players of similar nationalities and cultures within the dressing that they make a, a, an effort to to help them settle in. So I think it could be exciting. I think if you're getting the right players in and your club is ambitious and you're looking to improve and win games, I always saw that as a positive. So I, I quite enjoyed that myself. What about
2: the initiation ceremonies that we hear about to kind of get those team bonding experiences off to us? Do you remember yours, Dean, at any of the clubs you went to?
0: I do. I still have nightmares about them, to be honest. Like, it was one of the worst things. Exa- Trevor will probably tell you, I'm like, oh, maybe it's different, but I could play in front of 60,000, 70,000, but stand up in, in, in front of 20 other players in a dining hall um uh, it was one of the most nerve-wracking things i've ever done when when that that clink on the glass goes you you sit there you know it's coming you you're aware <laughs> of it you have your meal you can't even enjoy yeah. your meal because you know as soon as that clink comes your name's going to be called out you have got to stand up and sing and uh, look i'm i'm a terrible singer i'm not even I, i'm terrible there's no getting away from it um i, th- I remember doing it at southampton i forgot my words um, then I went to a different song, I think I ended up singing High over Silver Lining because it was the only <laughs> thing I could think of. I, play, I it all, But it does help because it helps you settle in, it helps break mm. that ice. you have a little bit of a laugh about it, but yeah, it's not a nice experience, it really
1: isn't. It's funny, isn't it, in, in football that um, it, it must be really bad, that experience, you know, I've had it as well. Uh, because it 's just lasted the course of time hasn 't it? Yeah. Um, I mean what other initiation can you do? You just have to humiliate yourself in front of in yeah. front of your teammates, and it works a treat yeah I mean you know you sign for you sign for a club, and it 's already in your head as you 're sort of <laughs> as the ink's drying on the contract <laughs> you go oh no it 's an initiation i 've got to do it no." Uh, yeah, they are they are nightmares uh, or stuff that makes nightmares. But uh, yeah, football's not moved on in one sense. Initiation will always be a sing-song in front of your new teammates.
2: There must have been players that you play with that relish that opportunity, though, that couldn't wait for that moment where they got to stand up and sing their favourite song.
1: Yeah, but you didn't really know them that well. So, um, yeah, And there's not many, by the way. No. There's not many who can... Uh, who can sing a sing a good note or hold a good note? You do you do expect the worst and you're prepared for it and you've got the bread rolls ready and all of that. Um, <laughs> uh, but
0: well, it's cameras though, Trevor. You can record it as well, which is which is not good. You can't even. Well, find that's it. Experience.
1: That's it. There's the added dimension, isn't it? <laughs> it could go viral. Yeah, I think some people might start to get singing lessons before they <laughs> before they do the initiation. Right? Anything you can sing along to is a good one, but yeah. um, it sort of goes from your head and you panic and you start singing something that you're incapable of. But it, it's, uh, yeah, it, you just want it over with when you, when you get to a new environment.
0: I've had players that refuse to do it. that would just, oh, really? just refuse to sing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is which is an interesting experience. I remember Raddy Jaiidi when he signed for Southampton. Now he's a big centre-half, Raddy, so you're not really going to argue with him, but he just... <laughs> sat there in silence and just you no know, just
1: shook his head, no chance. It, it does it does leave a little void of, of something, doesn't it? That you're kinda of doubting that individual a little bit yep. because they chose not to sing a song and get and humiliate themselves. So it can last for two or three weeks till he has a couple of good good games and you think, oh this lad's all right, initiation mm-hmm. forgotten. Uh, you move on, right? It's it's such a school playground, isn't it, the the footballer's dressing room.
2: it's fascinating to hear your take on what it's like with players coming and going into a club in this stage of the transfer window there are still a few days left but we've got another weekend of premier league action before we get to that we're going to look ahead to some of the choice games from that action next on the dugout football's social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode
0: What
1: would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices.
0: Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, The Dugout. I've got Dean Hammond and Trevor Stephen with me looking ahead to the weekend's action. We've picked four games to focus on today. The first of those is Chelsea versus Leicester City. Now, Thomas Tuchel going into this game still without a recognised first team striker. We saw it work for Manchester City last year, Dean, but can Chelsea manage for the whole of the season without that recognised target man if they do fail to get a deal over the line before the window closes?
0: I think they can manage, Jim, um, but I don't think they'll be as successful as, as they want to be. I think that was the the reason for signing Lukaku um, and obviously that has, that has not worked out. Um, I think it's the missing piece for them to be able to challenge Liverpool and, and, and Man City whether they can get close and, and overtake them I'm not sure I think there's still a gap there but I think it is a missing piece if you if you just even look at um, the, the the Tottenham game this season you know I thought Chelsea played very very well it was a brilliant game of football but they need someone to finish off chances they need someone to to find them a goal from from nowhere mm. um, and I think it's it's missing it's missing for Chelsea so uh, they they can manage but Chelsea are not a club that want to manage. They've got new ownership. They're, the players they've signed already—you look at Sterling—that's that's a big name signing. Um, they want to—they want to make a statement. Um, they want to compete. They want to try and win the, the Premier League. They want to try and, you know, win the Champions League again. Um, but they need some help within within that squad. They've had players that have left, but I do believe they need that number nine. But like so many clubs, who are you going to find? Who are you going to bring in? Abayang is 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 linked. But he's 33 now. Can he score goals? Yes. I mean, Ronaldo again, could they get him from Man United? Maybe. Is it the type of player that Thomas Tuchel wants? I'm not sure. So it's tough. It's really, really tough. They've got a player there that I think is an exceptional player in Broja. He was at Southampton last year. Mm. I watched loads of him play. He's a really good talent. Now, I'm not saying he can get you 20 goals, 25 goals, but I think he could be very, very useful for Chelsea, especially in this period now. But the manager doesn't seem to to fancy him or want to play him, so interesting times. But I, I think they need this number nine if they want to achieve what they want to achieve this year, and that is challenge their uh, Liverpool, Man City.
1: Goal scoring for Chelsea is it's, it's been a problem for a while, hasn't it? It's, you know, since Costa, Diego Costa left, there's not been someone really who um, uh, has given that level of consistency. I mean, he, he was a he was a great player because he was so aggressive. I don't know, have you played against him, Dean, did you? Yeah, i played against him, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. I yeah. would imagine that he's a, a handful of horrible yep. type to play against, you know, whereas they haven't filled that right and the sort of conversation is going towards can, can, they, can they find another one like that who will get you the 20, 20 plus uh, and also add to the way that the team plays. The problem with Lukaku it was, it was he couldn't add anything in the game, anything. In the game, he wasn't physical. He needed opportunity and chance and clear chances, you know, generally, um, you know, to, to get the tally that, that that was required, and it never happened. So it's a tough one uh, for for Chelsea. If, if O'Bamayan Obama comes back, there's a, there's a lot of distractions with that signing, though, isn't it? There? There's the mm. Arsenal hangover. There's there's his age, as you as you've mentioned, um, and does he fit? You know, I think Chelsea really wanted a Pulisic and a Havertz, you know, and a Werner bef- before to, to come through and you know just become like a machine, a goal scoring machine. And none of them have been able to do it, and they've had to spread goals around as much as they can to stay competitive. Um And I, I don't see Sterling getting above twenty goals in the season, uh, and he will be the main the main player. If he gets fifteen, I think we're we'll probably be looking at that kind of number. But that's not enough if you're going to try and get um, the league title. Yeah. So it's a very, it's a conundrum. Uh, I'm not quite sure which way it's going to go. Uh, and then to confuse matters, they're linked with Anthony Gordon, who's completely not a striker. So you know what 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 are they wanting? I'm not I'm not sure that that's clear. Uh, you know, only time will tell. Uh, but at Chelsea, at Chelsea they can always surprise you and go in there and do something exceptional. They've got the funds to do it, uh, and um, you know continue their rebuild I just think the, the foundations of Chelsea have been shaken a little mm. bit from last season having to, uh, to ride the storm of uh, uh, Abramovich leaving uh, and they've had to come a long way in a short period of time with new people uh, and, 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 and Tuchel for the first time is under pressure uh, because the, the performance last week against Leeds United left a lot to be desired as far as you know potential uh, Premier League challenges So um, I do believe that they need one though. So I mean, that would be the sort of long and short of it. They do need someone who does score 20 plus goals uh, over the last few seasons and not take a gamble on someone who might. Um, So yeah, that's Chelsea for me.
2: Do you think Trevor, there's a reason why Chelsea have struggled so much with a number nine over the last few years? Because I'd argue Diego Costa did all right, but I'd probably ask you, they haven't really had that that deadly marksman since the days of Didier Drogba. They've probably struggled since then, despite bringing in some pretty significant names, some of them you've already mentioned, um, who you would have expected to gel in that Chelsea squad. But it just hasn't worked for them year after year, transfer after transfer. They've really struggled to get that player in and playing at the football club.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, and, and and they have Tammy Abraham's, don't they, on their books? But he he was just falling a little bit short of, of consistency to get a regular start for Chelsea. Goes to Roma, um, and, and becomes a, you know a superstar over there. And why would he want to leave a place where where he's loved? Because he could possibly be, um, could have been a great sort of gap filler, if and maybe a lot more. Um, if he was still available to them but he 's not why it is uh, i not i 'm not really sure I'm just not found the right player the right um, uh, characteristics uh, and then that goes down to your recruitment people doesn 't it at the end of the day because you know why are man City able to get certain players why are Liverpool getting the players and these and these two are the top teams so they they are setting the standard of uh, acquisitions uh, and Chelsea have fallen short. Their academy, you know, from everything I hear, is, is terrific, best in the country uh, with potential and what they've already produced. But um, the missing link is winning Premier League games, uh, sustained winning of, of Premier League games. And uh, it's about goals and, and they haven't been able to solve that problem, really.
2: As Trevor says, Dean, it's been a fairly chaotic window for Chelsea so far. A lot of players leave, leaving, a fair few players linked or coming into the club. Exactly the opposite has been happening at Leicester City, certainly in terms of incomings. They've had a really quiet transfer market. I think, I believe they're still the only team in the top league to, have, or in the top leagues around Europe not to have bought in an outfield player. Is that it for the Foxes' quote, golden era, is it kind of over? Are they now a team that's on the wane rather than challenging at the top half of the table?
0: It's hard to say, Jim. You know, the golden era has has been a fantastic journey for the club, winning the Premier League, winning the FA Cup, playing in Europe. Can they get to them heights again? I don't, potentially not. Um, It's an interesting one with Leicester because obviously being there as a player, speaking to people, I, I always stayed away from the negativity because Leicester have always had a plan. They've always had some sort of idea of what they're trying to do, whether that's to reshape the squad, restructure the club. Um, but it's kind of dragged on a little bit too long now. Um, and obviously the, the Wesley for Farnham situation doesn't help. Tillerman's not signing a new contract and um, him being linked away, Harvey Barnes, James Madison, um, it's difficult. And if you look at that golden era, who's left? Jan uh Mark mm. I think that's it now. Casper Smichael's obviously left as well. So it's difficult. They've just overachieved, Jim. They've really overachieved and it's difficult to to, to to get to those those heights again without investing large amounts of money. Um they've tried to recruit similar players. You look at Jamie Vardy. they tried to bring Pats and Dacker in similar mould, very, very quick, likes to run in behind, but it's not quite happened yet. Um, but they have brought younger players through. I mean, Kieran Jewsby always there's a talented player, really talented. Harvey Barnes is a talented player. So I don't think they can get to those heights again. I think it was exceptional what they did. It was unbelievable. It's a story that will go down in history, but it may just for a couple of years, while they yet let the younger players develop, they may be able to get, but they'll still be around the top 10. I still believe that. I, they've got a brilliant manager in, in Brendan Rogers. under a little bit of pressure. I think he's frustrated, if I'm honest, um, because I think he expected more uh, recruitment, more funds to, to improve the squad. He said that at the end of last season. He came out and actually said that publicly in interviews. So he may feel a little bit embarrassed now um, that he's not been able to do that. And like we've just said, they're leaving it a little bit late. Even if they do get 100 million and 90 million for those two players, it's very difficult then to go mm. and bring other players in in such a short period of time. So I think golden era... Will they win the Premier League again? I don't think so, but they're still a big club in the Premier League and and, and that's fantastic. Because Leicester traditionally is not one of the biggest clubs in in, in England.
2: Trevor mentioned early uh, the upset last week where Leeds put was it three past Chelsea in the end. Can have, Le- have Leicester City got that in the bag? Can you see three points for the Foxes
1: this weekend against Chelsea? Uh no, I, I can't uh I can't see that at all. I think Chelsea will bounce back. Um, you know, to be fair to them, they had one or two really Good chances. Sterling had a, a really good chance as well early in the game against Leeds, but they didn't take them and and, uh, and didn't really turn up beyond that in the game. But I, I think Chelsea will get get the result. Leicester, um, the fans need to buy into this sort of, you know, um, lack of activity. It's very self-evident. It's very obvious that money's a problem, isn't it? I, I, but nobody's mm. really seeing it at, at Leicester. Um, and the fans... Uh, even in, in winning teams, like to see fresh blood. That's just the way it is because all the other teams are seeing new players coming into into the football clubs, and unless there are, uh, you know, just throwing the anchor overboard and saying, right, we're going to try and float this out, um, and you know, that, the fans have to stick with Brendan for this, and you know, fair enough. If it's a good business practice to stop spending the money because they've spent it on the training ground and they've done this, that, and the other, um, and may feel a little bit stretched uh, now and don't want to make the situation any worse, the fans need to need to know that um, and and to stick by them and and wait for wait for the time to pass and and the money's to come back in. So. I don't expect them to be in any trouble. As Dean, you said, you know, Brendan is a, as a manager. I think he's well admired throughout the game and he has proven his uh, qualities. Uh, so I think it's just a case of let's see how this season goes. They can revisit in January, of course, get something in if, if it's needed. Biggest challenge for them is, um, is is holding on to their players at this stage. Uh, but a tough one, a tough one, because um, I fancy the Chelsea, the Chelsea rebound this weekend.
2: Let's move on to Liverpool versus Bournemouth, another one of our top picks from this weekend's action. And Liverpool, not quite a crisis club yet, but they're still looking for their first win of the season. And they do look like a slightly different team this season, Trevor. Is Mm. that purely down to the injuries they've got or is there something else that maybe is happening at Liverpool that means they're not going to be quite where they have been previous seasons this year?
1: There's, there's, There's going to be several factors, uh, in this, you know, and you don't need to be far off your best to be um, to be beaten in the Premier League. I think that's that's why we've got the best league in the world. Because if um, if, a, if a, a superior team on paper doesn't turn up um, physically in the right attitude, literally any team in the Premier League could beat them you know, on any given day, which is exciting for us all. But uh, Liverpool, you know. And Mar- Sad- Sadie Umani, right, it, it seems to have had more of a the leaving or the departure of him. seems to have more of an impact than I thought it would, just in the way that they do uh, play in the in the last third. Because um, he was a jack in the box, didn't know quite know what he was going to do, where he was going to be, but he was certainly going to score goals and get on the end of things. Because um, I've always felt that Marnie was more uh, had more variety. To his play than Salah, because Salah kind of re- did things and repeated them, and he repeated them to such a high standard. Whereas Mane was always scratching around looking for his goals uh, and, and and hunted them out kind of thing. So I think there might have been more. Of a, it's more of a loss than than even Jurgen Klopp would have would have anticipated. However, he has bought great greatly, and, and, and Nunes. I think everyone who's seen him likes him. and and can't wait to see what that looks like in six months time Uh, but you know if you get sent off in in the Premier League like Mm. you did um, you know that's that's no good to the player you won't do it again I'm sure (laughs) hopefully you won't do that again because it's costly and going to Old Trafford and not having him, I think, was a, was a serious blow. Then you look at the, the ages of Milner and the ages of Henderson and other players who might have just been there a tiny bit too long. Um, but I'm, I'm there to be proven wrong with that. you know. Mm-hmm. But just, it's just what I've seen in the early stages is that um, it, it's sometimes difficult to get up to rhythm uh, in in the in the Premier League, you know, after uh, you know a pretty positive, generally positive preseason, but Liverpool, uh, Liverpool have got a brilliant manager, one that I rate as good as anyone, um, and uh, the club have got fantastic ambition. So I don't see this lull lasting very long, and I'll probably be eating my words, you know, within within a few days. <laughs> um, but I still expect Liverpool to be vying with Man City for the for the league title.
2: Having been one of the best defenders all heralded as the best defender in the world for a while, Dean, Virgil van Dijk's season so far has come under some criticism. He was responsible for one of the goals against Fulham on the opening day. His defending for the second Manchester United goal last weekend at Old Trafford became a meme on the internet and was doing the rounds for the the following week afterwards... Do you bounce? You back him to bounce back and be the force he's always been, or will his confidence have taken a knock over the last three games, start of the season?
0: Well, he's human, Jim. So you know, he, like any player, he's going to have dips in form d- during his career. He's a world-class defender, if not one of, the, if not the best defender in the world. He has every attribute, um, and he started the season quite slow, but. I feel a little bit sorry for him because if you look at the three games played so far and the way Liverpool play, he's had a different partner every time. The game against Fulham, he played with Matic, uh, Uh, then he played with um, Phillips against Palace and then Gomez uh, United and and Liverpool play such a high line. If you get that that line wrong and you're not in um, with your partner, um, then you can get caught out. There can be gaps. And also, I think he's the form of uh, Fabinho in midfield or not playing to have that protection uh, that's hurt them. Thiago they've not had in midfield who holds on to possession of the football. So Liverpool have the ball for longer periods of time for the possession. So there's been a little bit more turnover of the, of the ball in midfield, which means Liverpool being been spread. So he's been in one-on-one situations. Perfect example, Crystal Palace goal, Zaha's goal. Um, they just cut through Liverpool. Um, It was a brilliant goal, but Liverpool were, were, well, Van Dijk was isolated. So, I think his form has dipped, but I think there's been reasons, but he will come back strong. He really will. You know, you saw how he reacted from his injury, uh, how he recovered from that and got back to to his best form. Um, He's just having a little bit of dip and when you're a top, top player and you perform so well all the time and you're an 8 out of 10, when you drop just a little bit below that, it gets noticed. And he gets talked about. And I think that's the situation with him. And obviously, Liverpool having a a slow start has not helped. Um, But he is a top-class defender. He really really, He has everything. Um, And when he gets back to form and he's playing well and at the top of his game, Liverpool will win games because they keep a lot of clean sheets. So he has been below what you'd expect for him. But I think there's actually been reasons that have affected that.
2: Trevor called the first game, Dean, so I'll let you call the second. Liverpool versus Bournemouth. Bournemouth, the team that many people have backed to go straight back down to the Championship this season. Can they do anything against Liverpool to potentially retain that Premier League status?
0: It's going to be tough for them because a bit like Chelsea, I think there's going to be a reaction from Liverpool. Um, It's obviously at at Anfield. Um, Liverpool very, very strong at home. Um, Difficult for Bournemouth. Had a brilliant win first game of the season against Aston Villa but then came up against Man City and then Arsenal and then against, and then Liverpool so some difficult fixtures for them in a row um, and they're a team that are a young team they're learning Scott Parker I like as a manager loved him as a player um, and I think he's doing a good job there but I think this will be difficult for, for Bournemouth at uh, Anfield and just because I, th- I expect a real reaction from, from Liverpool playing with that high intensity they will get after Bournemouth um, and there are other points approved. So I can only really see a Liverpool win, unfortunately.
2: Two more games to look at on the dugout today. We're going to look at Brentford versus Everton and Aston Villa versus West Ham next. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.
1: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice,
2: Welcome back to the final bit of the dugout from Football Social Daily. Dean Hammond, Trevor Stephen looking ahead to the weekend's action. We're going to do Brentford versus Everton next. And it's been a bit of a mixed bag for Brentford so far this season. A win, a loss and a draw. The win, of course, came as a 4-0 thrashing of Manchester United. I've been impressed with Everton, even in their loss, actually, Trevor. But how do they find that form the one that beat Manchester United. How does that team step onto the pitch week in, week out?
1: Um, I think go back. You're you're impressed with their form. Uh, I'm not. I'm not impressed really. If I'm honest, uh, I'll tell you what impresses me about them. It's not. maybe not their form because, like I said,
2: the results haven't been great. What I've been impressed about is the is the fight that they've shown yeah. on the pitch in every single game. Which I think when you're a team like Brentford. That's kind of what you need to do because maybe you haven't got quite the, and the word quality is a little bit lazy in terms of describing yeah. the ability of a football team, but they haven't got quite the quality of the teams around them. So they need to show a little yeah. bit more fight than maybe the opposition.
1: Yeah, I agree, I agree with that. Uh, and that's a sort, of, um, a sort of continuation of how they ended last season where everybody you know, went up a gear. To, to get themselves out of the predicament of relegation. Um, and the fans were very much part of that. Uh, so, new season, new optimism. Uh, but of course, they lose Richarlison and have Calvert-Lewin injured. Um, uh, but as a team, high, high energy. I just look at it, I'm, I don't actually know what it is yet as a team. Um, it, it looks as if it's all a bit off the cuff. And uh, th- that energy that they've got, a lot sort of disguises a lot for me at this moment in time. So I need to see another two or three games to see what this is. I really like the look of Inanna who they've brought in. Um, he-, he looks athletic. He looks brave. He looks courageous. And I think Everton players over the last year, maybe a bit longer, have lost a bit of courage to play. Um, at at, uh, at Goodison, you know, following COVID, getting back into the stadium, some have not adapted to it, and some are, not, are just not capable of de- dealing with that demanding crowd that Everton fans can be sometimes. Uh, and and a lot of change of manager, you know, there's a whole lot of things that Everton have had to uh, to try and um, sort of manoeuvre into into uh, you know getting the club to move forward. Big week for them, no doubt, as far as Anthony Gordon is concerned, because he is the shining light, but he's so inexperienced. You know, he's not a great decision maker with the ball yet. Uh, he has got pace. He catches the eye. He's tall. He's blonde head. Um, and he's uh, uh, he's hyperactive on the football field. But maybe that sort of leads into the off-the-cuff kind of football that Everton are playing. Um, and I think that might win you some games, but it's going to lose you some games as well. This particular game, um, I think Everton, you I know, need to go and put a really good performance in. Uh, they were taking a lot, actually, beating Fleetwood the other night because um, a win's a win is a win. Uh, and it all adds to that little oh. bit of, of uh, self-esteem for, for the players within the, within the group, within the dressing room. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm kind of open as to where this Everton season is going to go. Uh, going to Brentford on their home territory is uh, is a challenge for anyone. Tight ground. I really love their manager. And um, even Tony is, is, looks like he's really sharp at the start of this season. Maybe that's with a little view. Could he scrape into an England squad, maybe? Uh, so it's going to be a tough one. It's a hard one to call. I'm going to go with Everton, though, because... I just feel that they do give these shock results occasionally. Not a super big shock to beat Brentford, but I just think they can pull off a result mm. and then they're probably going get beat at home in the following game. <laughs> so that's just the way it goes with Everton, unfortunately.
2: I think we're talking at slightly cross-purposes though. I was saying I was impressed with Brentford and you thought I was talking about Everton. I just want to make it clear that I have not I've not been impressed with Everton in any no, sense really in what much, they've yeah. done. So that would be very generous. I um, was doubting your judgment there, Jim, really was. Uh, but what's your view on Everton, Dean? Because they seem to have been, and I've used the term crisis already, but I'm going to use it again. They seem to have been in crisis for about three years now and they don't seem to be learning from their mistakes. It's been different managers, there's been different playing personnel, but they seem to be making the same questionable choices in the transfer market again and again. For a start, they're paying big money for unproven players. Do you think they could find themselves in trouble come the end of the season again?
0: I think it's going to be a difficult season for them. It's a huge football club and and Trevor touched on it the, The expectation at Goodison Park, you either can handle it as a player or you can't. I think Frank Lampard did a job at the coming end of the season. I like Frank, obviously loved him as a player. I think he'll do well as, as a manager. And I think given time and given the resources, I think he can do a good job. Whether he'll be given that time, I'm, I'm not sure. But they expect results there. Um, but they're they've got... OK Premier League team. There's no superstars there that you'd expect. Losing Rhys Alderson is, is tough because he's such a catalyst of how they wanted to play when they were at their best. That high energy, that, that leading from the front, trying to get a goal, um, frustrating at times, but was a brilliant player. Um, Gordon leaving, it looks like he potentially could go into Chelsea, is, is tough. I think that's good business for Everton. I, I do, if they can get that money back in. But again, can they use that money? I think there's you know they have to ask permission maybe to even sign players at the moment. There's the financial fair play situation at the football club which which makes it difficult. Um, I think Connor Cody is a good signing, I think Tarkovsky is a good signing. I think for where Everton are at at the moment in terms of re establishing themselves and trying to just get into the middle part of the, of the Premier League again, I think that's the aims. I know that sounds a little bit unexciting, a little bit lack of ambition, but, you know, they could have got relegated last year and they're missing a goal scorer. They really are. Now, if, if Gordon goes to Chelsea, I think there's an opportunity where if you was Frank Lampard with your Chelsea connections, could you get Conor Gallagher in? Could you get Mm. Brozier in potentially? You know, there's two good players there that are going to improve Everton and give them more of a goal for it, which they really need you can't win games unless you score goals. I know that sounds silly. You can draw games, you can get a nil-nil, but you need to be able to score games, They're uh, scoring games. And I think it's going to be a tough season. And I feel sorry for, for Frank because I think he could actually do a decent job there. And it's a big football club. And I think he expected a little bit more when he went there. Um, so I think they'll be OK, but I think it's going to be a tough, tough season for them.
1: Do you know, Dean? I, you hit right on it there. It's about who Everton can bring in, right? Um, if if Gordon goes, and I would take in a, in a heartbeat, uh, Brozier and Conor Gallagher, even if it's for a year on loan, right? Where they're, where they're both going to play regularly, it would work for Chelsea because there's not going to—they're never ever going to be part of a deal because they're too expensive in their own right, you know. Everton can't afford that. Take them, take them both on loan. They can both get regular first-team football. Uh, be a massive bonus for for Everton, um, for, the, for the, with their quality. So I've got my fingers crossed for that. If Anthony Gordon, you know, deal does go, there's no way we could sell. To, I say we, we could. Uh, <laughs> Everton could sell to Chelsea uh, without getting some players in return. So your point's absolutely right
2: going to go for Frank Lampard who is a manager who might feel under pressure but the the fans haven't turned him in yet they still feel seem to feel like he's the right man for the job to a game which has got two managers under extreme pressure at the moment Aston Villa versus West Ham you've got David Moyes at West Ham they're yet to get a point this season they're yet to score a goal they're the only team in the Football League who haven't scored a goal this season. Steven Gerrard, he's feeling the heat at Aston Villa as well, Trevor. Which one of those two managers is under the most pressure at the moment?
1: I think because David Moyes ha- has, um, you know, taken West Ham to where they went last last season, uh, to the levels that they had, European qualification, etc., etc., he, he's he got some sort of uh, brownie points there in the bag. I think with Steven Gerrard, it's maybe a little bit more fragile with, with the Villa support. Uh, I think I'm surprised at both having the early struggles that, that they have had. I think Villa have got a really good squad. I think uh, West Ham have made a couple of buys, but we've not really seen much of the, those players as yet. Uh, I'm interested to see what Scamacca, Scamacca, whatever he's called, uh, what he, what he can bring. Uh, because there's too much uh, pressure on Antonio up front mm-hmm. They're just too, there's too much and, and West Ham look a little bit predictable at this moment in time just like the same as last year but not so good uh, Jared Bourne's not hit, hit, his, uh, hit the straps yet as well so the manager at the end of the day takes the brunt but it's, it's down to your players and in, in, in getting performance um, from them as much as as early in the season as you possibly can and I think there's inconsistency in both camps, and I, but I think they will both ride the waves uh, over the next few weeks and, and we'll be looking at a different picture within within the month. Um, I think there's quality and in both squads. They just need to keep their confidence, keep their belief, and I'm sure the two of them are going to you know rise up the table very quickly.
2: Trevor mentions their Dean Skamaka, the new striker at West Ham. We've only seen him in fleeting moments for West Ham so far same with Maxwell Cornet since he came in David Moyes seems really hesitant to blood his new signings and we've seen it from David Moyes before he did a similar thing with Jared Bowen when he came to the club if you're a player at a football club particularly a new player and you're sitting on the bench and you're watching your team losing week in week out but you're not getting your opportunity that must be hugely frustrating
0: yeah it is frustrating I think there's some. I think there's a new player coming into West Ham three games in with the season they've had last year the season they had before you would expect David Moore to be loyal to his to his players um, and his squad I think now you'll see that there will be a change um, but as a player sitting on the bench coming in the only the easiest way to settle in as a player into a dressing room into a new club is to play because to prove mm-hmm. yourself to the players um, it's the easiest way to settle in um, and then players will be chomping at the bit to to make an impression, especially with the the team losing, especially the team not scoring both attacking players. Um, I, I saw quite a bit of Corne last year for for Burnley. Impressive player, scored some wonderful goals. Has that spark that that Trevor touched on there? They look at they are missing that little bit of a, a spark there. They they seem a little bit um, predictable. Um, And and he has that, he will shoot from 30 yards, he will take a few players on. So I can see a change happening, but it is frustrating coming into a new club because you want to make an impression straight away um, to the manager, to the players, to the fans uh, as well, and it will help you settle. So I think David Moores has just been loyal to that squad, to those players um, because of what they have achieved. And rightly so sometimes, I think you deserve that as a player, but now no goals in in three games, three um, defeats. Um, I think you'll see the two players coming in now just to freshen it up.
2: Wrap up today's podcast with a prediction for me, Trevor. On this one, Aston Villa and West Ham both desperate for a win. Are either
1: of them going to get it? Um, I'm going to go with Villa, home advantage. Ooh, <laughs> obviously, obviously don't know. I don't know what their team selection will be, but I think you know, Ollie Watkins. I like Ramsey. Uh, Danny Ings can get get goals. Um, and there is a bit of pressure mounting. and uh, I, I, I just feel that that Villa will, you know, take care of business. I think in this this particular game, which of course will heap pressure on on David Moyes. But you know, that's the name of the game, isn't it? It could be. It could very well be a draw. But I, I would plump for Villa. Plump for Villa. Home time.
2: This is Football Social Daily. That is it for the dugout. If you are listening on the main Football Social Daily feed, then Fergal and the team will be back Sunday afternoon with a full roundup of all the Premier League action, all the highs and lows. If you are listening on the dugout feed, where just this Saturday show lives, then why not try Football Social Daily, a daily Premier League pod keeping up to date with everything that's going on in the top flight? Just search Football Social Daily to find that. Good luck for you and your team this weekend, and we'll see you soon. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Twitter at The Sports Social.